0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Moron Experience. All right, so I want to kick the show off today, right? With probably the biggest news topic of the week. And this is straight from the New York Post, okay? Whoopi Goldberg is livid and threatening to quit The View over her suspension. (laughs) What? Whoopi Goldberg is livid after she was suspended from The View over her claim that the Holocaust was not about race and is telling co-workers she's going to quit the show, according to a source. Uh, who really gives a fuck, you know? That I'm, are, are people really watching The View? Is that a thing that people do? The only reason I heard about any of this is just because news outlets covered it and I like to keep up with the news. Anyway, Goldberg, who is 66, feels humiliated. Oh, imagine that. Imagine that. You said some stupid shit and all of a sudden you're humiliated, so poor pitiful you. You've spent how many months now talking about Anything from race to COVID and now the Holocaust making asinine comments. But you're humiliated. So we should all feel bad for Whoopi Goldberg, right? Okay. She's humiliated at being disciplined by ABC execs. After she followed their advice to apologize. Okay, so she's not really sorry. Right? She followed their advice to apologize because she didn't want to get in trouble, right? Yeah, I would have more respect for you, Whoopi, if you just stuck with your comments and, you know what? This is how I feel. You should have just said that, right? But instead, you got to walk it back because, God forbid, somebody doesn't like Whoopi Goldberg. Anyway, she feels ABC executives mishandled this. Imagine that. She followed their playbook. Wow, this is insane. She went on the late show with Stephen Colbert and apologized again on The View the next day, a source said. So all of a sudden, it's interesting. When... I'm not trying to get political here, but when someone with more liberal views, right? I think Whoopi would describe herself as having more liberal views. Somebody with more liberal views, when they apologize for making shitty comments about something, then we're just supposed to forgive them. It's supposed to be water under the bridge. No big deal, right? But when... Someone like Gina Carano also makes some slightly unsavory comments. She's aligned herself with the right wing, right? She's canceled. She's kicked off the Mandalorian, fired by Disney. It's crazy to me that there's such a double standard here. You know? Like, we told Kevin Hart he can't host the Oscars. He was literally fired from hosting the Oscars because he made a homophobic comment a decade ago. Like, we fired Gina Carano for the comment she made. So, all of a sudden, Whoopi Goldberg is supposed to say, I'm sorry, And everything's just going to be cool. We're all good here. She said she's sorry. No discipline. So now she's getting discipline. And she can't believe it. She's shocked. The source. Who's reporting this. Added that while Goldberg is taking the suspension hard. And says she wants to leave the show. Insiders believe she's likely just sounding off. Yeah, she's acting like a big old baby. Okay? Acting like a big fucking baby. Take your punishment. Right? And then get back to doing the shitty show that you do. <laughs> this is the most honest shit of all time. Her ego has been hurt and she's telling people she's gonna quit. Okay, we get it. Suspension from the view is like getting suspended from Bravo. The bar is very low. Oh, wow. Okay. Reps for Goldberg and ABC did not return requests for comment. Okay. Well, shocking. So originally, she, she made the argument that Nazis and Jews are both white. So this isn't about race, right? It's, I, I'm finding it hard to understand the stupid point that she was trying to make. Like I said, I don't watch The View, so I've only read about it and I've seen a clip. It's about it. Um, so, her big punishment, right? She's suspended for two weeks. People have been canceled off the face of this fucking earth for far less than that, far less than the anti-Semitic comments that she made, okay, so here's the statement from uh, ABC News President Kim Godwin, right, she says, words matter, and we must be cognizant of the impact our words have, that's very nice, oh, she wrote this in a memo to employees, and she dubbed Goldberg's comments wrong and hurtful. Oh, right you are. Oh, wow. So her... Okay. Her co-hosts... Listen to this. As news of the suspension rippled through the network, it angered not only Goldberg, but also her co-hosts on the daytime talk show. So her co-hosts... They're, they're swooning over her at the, like, so we're all showing support for Whoopi? Like, just admit that the comments you made were fucking stupid. We all say stupid shit. Okay? Take your two-week suspension. Be thankful that you... <laughs> that you don't lie somewhere between the middle and the right side of politics because you'd be fucking fired by now and we'd never hear from you again except for on those shitty prescription commercials that you fucking do. She wants to make it clear, though, that she's not an anti-Semite, okay? She's not. She is a lifelong ally of the Jewish community. She just makes shitty comments about the Holocaust and Jews. But anyway, uh, again, I, I don't understand the point she was trying to make. So far, So it's not about, so everything has to be about race? And I'm pretty sure that I heard a clip or something. Where Hitler said that he considered the Jews a race, and they're a, a disgusting race or some some shit like that. Uh, don't quote me on that, but fuck. It, just articulate your point better next time, I guess. I, but just shut up and take the punishment. You're lucky you didn't get fucking fired. Okay, it's two weeks everybody's gonna be fine if you sit at home for two weeks you guys practically sat at home for a fucking year and a half when the pandemic first hit okay so another two weeks it's not gonna kill anybody anyway i'm tired of talking about Whoopi. so moving on let's read oh okay here we go from business insider okay Kim Jong-un can be seen struggling to walk downstairs in a new North Korean propaganda film. Oh, those are always fun. It says North Korean leader Kim Jong-un appears to struggle to walk down a set of stairs in the propaganda film that celebrates the country's achievements in the past year. Really? I'm curious to know what those achievements are. The film's release follows significant speculation about the young dictator, The young dictator's noticeable weight loss. Is he young? In the 110-minute documentary film titled The Great Year of... (laughs) Dude, this is fucking psychotic. Holy shit, this is communism 101. The Great Year of Victory 2021. He's struggling to make his way down makeshift stairs at a construction site while others in his party descend normally. This was minor, but it's not the first time that Kim, who is in his mid-30s. Did anybody else know he's in his mid-30s? He looks old as fuck. I thought he was at, if I had to guess, probably late 40s. Holy shit, he's in his mid-30s. He's had mobility challenges in the past. In the summer of 2014, he was seen limping on state TV. And later that fall, he emerged from a long absence with a walking cane. Leading to speculation he might have been in poor health. He's known to smoke and drink (laughs) heavily. Okay. And reportedly enjoys a fairly rich diet. Oh, and he's had gout. Yep, well... Smoking, drinking heavily, being overweight, and eating whatever you want. That's a recipe for gout. That's for sure. But it's difficult to know for certain. The propaganda film that came out, oh, it came out Tuesday, okay. It shows him riding horses and visiting various facilities while celebrating North Korea's achievements during a time of hardship specifically the pandemic and ongoing sanctions in response to the country's weapons programs. Yeah, I mean, you fire a new fucking ballistic missile every two weeks, dude. What are we doing here? You know? People aren't going to be too fond of you if you're firing fucking ballistic missiles. As often as you do. The film also unusually makes a nod to physical changes in Kim, attributing them to worry over the nation. Okay, so the propaganda is that he's the almighty savior. Wow. Perfect. Kim showed us his fatherly side by braving snow, rain, and wind while taking on the fate of the nation And people like his own children, okay? Adding that his body completely withered away. And he showed his motherly side by greatly suffering and worrying to realize the dreams of the people. So, as you guys know, Kim Jong-un, the leader of communist North Korea, is all about the people, okay? He's not looking out for himself and his people. He's all about the entirety of north korea all the people of north korea he's a very noble man sense the sarcasm in my voice please in fall of 2020 south korea's national intelligence service estimated that the north korean leader who's believed to be five feet seven inches tall weighed about 300 pounds Do you know how fucking fat that is? I'm not trying to fat shame here, but god damn, you're five foot seven and weigh three hundred pounds. You could be six foot four and weigh three hundred pounds and still be fat as fuck. Roughly a hundred pounds heavier than when he took control of North Korea about a decade earlier. Uh, I mean, you know. God, has he been in control of North Korea for a decade? Holy fuck, where the fuck have I been? But in July 2021, about a month after North Korea, watchers noticed that Kim was looking a bit lighter. It was reported that the spy agency had concluded that Kim had lost anywhere from 22 to 44 pounds. That's a big fucking range, okay? (laughs) Let's just be honest here. That's, uh, goddamn. 22 to 44 pounds. Wow, they even have pictures here from 2019 to 2021. He does look a lot healthier uh, nowadays. He's falling downstairs, but, you know, he looks a lot better. Look like a goddamn fucking North Korean bowling ball. Uh, anyway, the weight loss trend continued, and the change is quite visible in photos. Yeah, as I just said. See okay, wait. North Korean state media even addressed the weight loss at one point. Seeing respected general secretary Kim Jong-un looking emaciated breaks our people's hearts so much. Does he uh, so are we buying the fact that the citizens of North Korea are Happy? I'm sure some of them are, but... They're talking about the people as a whole here. Uh, everyone is saying that their tears welled up when they saw him. Okay, so... I think what we have here is a... A case of a lot of sociopaths living in that country. Changes in Kim are watched closely by expert observers around the world, as these could be indicators of his health status. Succession in the nuclear-armed state is unclear, and his health says a lot about the health of the regime. So, we're already talking about successors here? Or... Because I just read that he's in his mid thirties. Do we are we just gonna go ahead and say that he's gonna die soon, or? Uh, anyway, I don't have a ton of thoughts on that. I just thought it was interesting that. Uh... I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised that they have a propaganda film over there, but uh... there it is, and apparently. He works for all the people of North Korea. He loves them all and wants to take care of them all. and They all love him back and everything's hunky-dory over there. So congratulations, Kim Jong-un. So another thing I wanted to get to, from the New York Post reporting, a massive brawl breaks out at Golden Corral Buffet. Okay. (laughs) So this is actually pretty funny. Dozens of ticked off diners got into an all-out brawl that was caught on video at a Golden Corral buffet in Pennsylvania after the eatery, get this, right? Ran out of steak. Okay. A massive brawl. I watched the video. It's, uh, I haven't read this article yet, but I watched the video. And god damn, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of chair throwing. I even saw a dude pick up a table and try to throw it at one point. Shocking footage from the Friday fracas. Okay. (laughs) Shows a mob of patrons hurling punches and chairs, including baby seats. So, here's my issue, right? I'm, uh... I'm a proud parent, okay? The fact that there were baby seats in the vicinity tells me that there were children around that were small enough to be in high chairs, okay? Now I'm mad, right? Now I'm pissed. Because it's one thing if adults really want to fight over some petty shit like running out of steak. When you're throwing chairs, and there are children around, let me just tell you, you better not throw a fucking chair when my child is around, okay? Or we're going to have a big fucking problem. We're going to have a real big problem. Anyway. While others in the crowd scrambled to safety, okay, workers at the restaurant, Golden Corral, can be seen trying in vain to calm down the wearing diners. With a child heard crying at one point, and the restaurant left a littered mess. It's unbelievable to me that grown adults have so little control over their emotions that they would get into a giant fight over... A restaurant running out of steak. What in the fuck is this world coming to? It's... A child was heard crying, so we're literally... There's children around, man. What kind of example are we setting here? Could we all think about that for a minute? Could you have gone for the chicken? Hmm. Could you have maybe tried some ribs? Did they have any pork chops there? Uh, is Golden Corral known for their juicy delicious steaks? Is that is that a thing that Golden Corral is known for? Cuz I haven't been to one in over a decade so I don't know. But the last time I was there, the food was dog shit. And they have that nasty chocolate fountain. All the little kids are running up and dipping their fingers in it. So, and I've seen the videos of people who bust out the drive-thru windows and damn near choked the life out of the fucking drive-thru attendant because the chicken nuggets weren't we didn't have any chicken nuggets so i know people are crazy but god damn was everybody that went to golden corral that night just hankering for a yummy steak i i'm genuinely confused there was a shortage of steak and two parties were involved and one family cut in front of another family oh so they felt like the steak was stolen from them. They were taking their time, and they ran out of stake, and it got into a heated exchange at the tables. In a statement, Golden Corral acknowledged the melee, but said no one was hurt. I find that hard to believe. There were punches and chairs and tables thrown, and baby seats, high chairs. We're aware of an unfortunate disturbance that started between two parties of guests at our franchise restaurant in Pennsylvania. We notified local authorities and they are investigating the incident. Okay, wonderful. Thankfully, no serious injuries have been reported, the company said. The safety of our guests and co workers is our top priority. I guess from now on, to ensure the safety of your guests and co workers, you should probably make sure you have enough steak, right? I guess that fuck don't ever run out of any fucking food again because goddamn who knows what'll happen what if one of these psychopaths had a gun and brought it into your restaurant if you're crazy enough to throw chairs over fucking a lack of steak then you'd be crazy enough to whip out your pistol that's for sure I know that's being dramatic a little, but goddamn, you, you never know. I, at the very least, every single one of these people needs anger management classes. Cause fuck, you know? Anyway. Only a few minor injuries were sustained, according to the police department. The public safety director said in a statement. And then, of course, they have photos here. Our department is currently investigating the cause of the fight and attempting to identify those who were involved. Are, are we going to fucking arrest all these people or what? Is that what we're doing? Anyway, that's... uh that literally leads me to wonder i know crazy shit like this happens all the time but why why does this shit happen who who decides to lose their cool like i guess maybe these people were all having a bad day simultaneously and their big event for the day Maybe for the week or for a fucking month. Who knows? Their big event was to come to Golden Corral and eat steak. So. Maybe they were having such bad days that that was the final straw. The straw that broke the camel's back, I get. I had to fuck it. I don't know. Anyway. Uh... So I thought that was weird. And then finally, (laughs) this has got to be the biggest punch in the face from the National Post, okay? Lockdowns only reduced COVID deaths by 0.2%, Johns Hopkins study finds. A new study out of Johns Hopkins University is claiming that the worldwide pandemic lockdowns only prevented 0.2% of COVID-19 deaths and were not an effective way of reducing mortality rates during a pandemic. No shit. We find no evidence that lockdowns, school closures, border closures, and limited gatherings have had a noticeable effect on COVID 19 mortality, reads the paper, which is based on a review of 34 pre existing COVID 19 studies. So basically, what, and this is Johns Hopkins is very respected, okay? One of the most respected. They're basically telling us we locked our entire country down pretty much tanked our economy, we shut down schools, we strapped face masks on children. Some, some states are still doing all this shit, by the way, okay? Some states are still locking down. Some states are still closing schools, are still putting masks on children. And still socially distancing. Especially in the schools. That are actually... Open. So... We basically fucked this entire country... For 0.2%. Now... I'm going to keep reading this article cuz I haven't read it I haven't I I don't read any of these before I do these shows. So cuz I like to be surprised and react organically. So given the devastating effects that lockdowns have caused, yeah, again, going to say it again, right? No shit. No shit. We a lot of us have been trying to tell you people that The authors recommended they be rejected out of hand as a pandemic policy instrument. In both Europe and the United States, researchers found that a lockdown could only be expected to bring down mortality rates by 0.2% as compared to a COVID-19 policy based solely on recommendations. For context, 0.2% of total Canadian COVID-19 fatalities thus far is equal to about 70 people. So, we fucked everyone so we could save 70 people. And I know that that says Canadian COVID-19 fatalities. So I get it. It's more people than that worldwide, but still. The impact of border closures was found to be even less effective with death rates only going down about 0.1 percent. So we shut down air travel for a certain amount of time, for no reason. We shut down the Canadian border, the US-Canadian border, for no reason. The study did give partial credit to policies that shut down non-essential businesses. Businesses, which they concluded could bring down COVID death rates by as much as 10%. The study noted that this was likely to be related to the closure of bars. So now we've completely changed our tone here. So we're saying that it's a very minimal impact on COVID-19 deaths. When we're talking about border closures and when we're talking about lockdowns, right? But now we're saying that simply closing bars or non-essential businesses brought down death rates by as much as 10%. The problem with that is a lot of things can be deemed non essential A lot of essential things could be deemed non-essential. A lot of non-essential things could be deemed essential, right? So, it's hard to figure out where to draw that line. But anyway, the meta-analysis drew on studies where researchers felt they had enough data to draw a link between lockdown policies and their subsequent effect on COVID-19 fatalities. One-sided paper is a November study published in the Review of Financial Studies. Researchers comprehensively broke down the COVID strictures in every single U.S. county Holy fuck, every single U.S. county? That's a lot of goddamn counties. Throughout 2020, and then compared them against the county's subsequent COVID fatality rates. That particular study found that restaurant closures and mass mandates saved lives But that spa closures basically did nothing. The mask mandates are... Listen. Cloth masks were shown to be somewhat effective in the original COVID. Okay. In Delta and Omicron, again, as has been stated across all political party news sites, okay, whether it's CNN, Fox News, everywhere. Cloth face masks, nothing more than facial decorations at this point. They tell you you need surgical masks or N95s, okay? They need to fit very well around your cheeks, chin, nose, right? So, I feel like these results are a tad bit skewed anyway. But anyway, another cited study is a July 2020 paper that tallied up COVID-19 outcomes in the world's 50 hardest hit countries, and then compared it to factors ranging from border closures to obesity rates. Yeah, you don't want to compare obesity rates here in the fucking United States, I'll tell you that. That study found that full lockdowns and rapid border closures could measurably bring down a country's case rate, but didn't have much effect on death rates. Why is that? That's because 99% of people that get COVID are totally fine. That's just the stats. That's not me discounting COVID. COVID is awful. Okay? And it's killed a lot of people. But when you look at, you know, you have to look at data. You have to look at stats. You have to look at... It's very important to read into those things. Because that's numbers and data and statistics are what's fair so researchers excluded nearly 83 studies for consideration including some that supported the efficacy of lockdowns the most notable of which is a 2020 study published in the journal nature that concluded that European lockdowns helped avert between 2.8 and 3.5 million deaths in the first month of the pandemic. That's fucking insane, dude. We all know that that's, are you kidding me? You're telling me that because Europe locked down, they saved 3.5 million people's lives? Come on. Who do they think they're fooling here? The Johns Hopkins researchers only wanted to study death rates. They discarded any study that examined the effects of lockdowns on hospitalizations or case rates. Uh, case rates, especially, because that's not—we're not—we should at this point. And obviously, they're looking at the study, the entire pandemic. But at this point in time, there's no reason we should be worrying about case rates. It seems as though, I'm no doctor, I'm no expert. It seems as though, from everything I've read, Omicron's gonna hit everybody, okay? It sucks, it's not fun, nobody wants to have this disease, I wouldn't wish this disease on anybody, but it's, from what I understand, 140 times more transmissible than the original COVID variant. So I feel like Omicron's going to hit everybody, okay? So we don't need to be worrying about case rates at this point hospitalizations are another thing, okay, it's, we should still be keeping an eye on hospitalizations and obviously deaths, okay, those are two very serious things, but case rates, you know, it's highly transmissible, what are you gonna, why are we gonna freak out if case rates go up? jennifer grant an infectious diseases physician at the university of british columbia told the national post that focusing only on mortality is a crude measure interesting i wonder why let's see there are other elements of lockdowns that should be considered hospital overload and general burden of disease (laughs) okay including the need for hospitalization in those who fall ill and long-term consequences for the infected, she said. Nevertheless, she's been a critic of lockdown measures, in part because they impact whole segments of the population who are at low risk to begin with. Well, thank you very much. That's, that's very nice to hear. It made, uh, made little sense to prevent young people from living normally because they are at a very low risk of getting sick. The, you know what? This is something I heard very early on. I'm not going to say who I heard it from, but somebody well-known, and it made the ultimate sense to me. Right? We should be protecting those who are at the highest risk. We should be protecting the elderly. We should be protecting the immunocompromised. Unfortunately, where it gets dicey is one of the biggest factors to severe COVID illness is obesity. And people don't want to hear that. They don't. They don't want to hear that. But it's a very real thing, it's been discussed many times. And that's one of, not the only, not maybe not even the biggest, but one of the biggest factors in getting a severe case of COVID-19. And I'm pretty sure that goes for any of the variants. So, the problem is, there are so many obese people in this country the greatest country in the world by the way but how could we since they are technically at a higher risk how can we protect them you know because you have you have very overweight 10 year olds you have very overweight 20 year olds very overweight and so on and so forth so that's where starts to get a little dicey, but I don't know. I just thought that that was a much better idea. And I also think at this point, like, there's certain risk to life, you know, and I feel like we've done all we can at this point. Now, if a new variant comes out and it shows to be Five times as deadly as any of the other variants, then, you know, we've got a different conversation to have here. But if things are going to trend the same way that they've been trending. I think we can just let people make their own decisions. You know, if you feel comfortable wearing an N95 and that makes you feel safer and happier and. Then by all means, I promise I won't make fun of you. You know, you, you do your thing. But at this point, two years later, with all of the, the therapeutics and the vaccines and, you know, having a variant that is seemingly, by all the statistics that we have available to us right now, seems to be less deadly and some would say much less deadly than Delta or the original COVID. So, I don't know. I'm rambling at this point, but it's like, anyway. So, she, you know, she goes on to say, uh, because young people are at a very low risk of getting very sick, but have been very, very heavily hit by the impacts of the lockdown, which young people have. So, she's making a lot of sense here to me. The Johns Hopkins researchers also threw out any study that evaluated lockdowns based solely on forecasts of anticipated deaths. You know, I don't know what the death count is in the U.S. right now. What I do remember is, I remember because I was still working. Right. I worked all through from the day that everybody in this country locked down. I went to work. And I'm not saying that is like a bragging thing. I'm just saying that I worked throughout the entire thing. So. I I remember I was at work and I read some article. And they. Experts. I don't remember who. Honestly, it was so long ago. God damn, it was two years ago. They forecasted that by August or September of 2020, two to three million Americans were going to be dead. So, hold on, let me look up the number here. So, they estimated two to three million deaths by August or September of 2020. Two years ago, they said this. And I'm not making light of any of the deaths that we're seeing here, okay? But 893,000 have died in two years. They said we'd have two to three million deaths in a matter of months. So that, I'm not saying that is like, oh, it's not so bad. There's only 893,000 people. That's not my point. My point is... That the forecasts, right, they don't hold a lot of weight with me, and they shouldn't with anybody else either. So anyway, in the case of the nature study, the Johns Hopkins researchers rejected it because it didn't control for other factors such as season or behavior. That could have explained how European death rates ultimately did not hit the levels predicted by virologists. Unlike much of the media-cited research on COVID-19 thus far, the new Johns Hopkins paper is by economists rather than by epidemiologists. Lead author Steve Hanke, or Hank, however you pronounce that, is a senior fellow at the Libertarian Cato Institute and a contributor to the right-leaning National Review. Oh, here we go. Nevertheless, It's not the first study to pour cold water on the notion that lockdowns were a significant factor in saving lives during the pandemic. Yada, yada, yada. So Johns Hopkins researchers concluded that policymakers may be underestimating how much of COVID spread was mitigated by simply the private actions of citizens. If lockdowns were ineffective, they write, this should draw our focus to the role of voluntary behavioral changes. It'll be years until researchers have an actual complete picture of the harms caused by lockdown policies, including damage to mental health. And I'll, you know, that's a big one. It's a pretty big one. And mental health across the board. So I'm talking children. Young adults, middle age, elderly, everybody. <clears throat> so, uh, and corresponding spikes in cancer and overdose fatalities. I know that there have been tons of overdoses, because what do what do addictive personalities do when you lock them in their homes, right? They go to their drug of choice, more than likely, if we're just assuming here. So, what is known, however, is the cost. Government-imposed lockdowns spurred by the COVID-19 pandemic have proved to be one of the most expensive single events in human history. So, this continues to reference Canada but let's use it for context. In Canada alone, the first year of the pandemic yielded a $343 billion federal deficit driven largely by payments to workers unemployed by government-mandated closures of gyms, restaurants, and other public spaces. That was another thing that was a little weird to me. I I guess I understood the logic, but why are you closing gyms? Right? I know everybody likes to fucking... Everybody these days, I didn't even get into the Joe Rogan stuff, but everybody these days likes to talk shit about Rogan, but he's been saying that from the start. Like, exercise, eating a well-balanced, healthy diet, taking vitamins and supplements, these are all big things that can help your immune system, right? And I still have not heard any actual uh, when has Fauci ever said that? Has Fauci ever even suggested that? I'm just saying, it is a little strange. We're so keen on sticking needles in people's arms. I and I'm not I'm not against that. I'm not against Whoever wants to get the vaccine, go get the vaccine. You know, vaccines are great. But can we promote the vaccine and also promote exercise and also promote a healthy diet, supplements? You know how refreshing it would be for them to give you just give you a sample diet. Some people some people are just ignorant when it comes to health and fitness. They are. And that's okay. It's not everybody's area of expertise. It's not, it's not everybody's thing. But could you have just put out a sample of like, hey, maybe eat this. Maybe try this diet. Hey, maybe try exercising, you know. 30 minutes a day. How's that sound? Hell, 30 minutes, three days a week. Could you fit that into your schedule? I just think that that's a very important, uh, and, and people hear that and they get upset about it for some reason and they start like, Oh, you're just a vaccine denier, man. Come on, bro. Why can't you get the vaccine and exercise and eat healthy? Do you want to rely all on the vaccine or do you want to rely on the effective vaccine and also things that you can control? Like your health habits. Like, think about this shit. It's important. Anyway. I, uh... I do kind of want to go over the Rogan thing. I know this is a long episode, but I've only been doing these once a week. So, um, I don't understand what exactly neil young was thinking and forgive me if this guy's like a a big musician rogan said in his little instagram statement that he loves neil young so he's a huge fan i don't know who the guy is i and maybe that i don't maybe that's ignorance on my part but i genuinely haven't the slightest clue who Neil Young is. That was the first time I ever saw him or heard his name was when I read the article that he was giving Spotify an ultimatum. It's, either... <laughs> And like, uh, you, you would have to be the biggest musician of all time with the most plays on Spotify to even have an argument about it's either Joe Rogan or me. I'm not beating up on Neil Young here, but you know, the whole misinformation thing, what Rogan said in that Instagram post made a lot of sense, whether people want to admit it or not, you know? And if you're listening to this, you might be rolling your eyes and saying, oh, Joe Rogan's an idiot. I like listening to Joe Rogan. I don't think he's an idiot. Um, I think that maybe he's a little... <sighs> See, it's the pro- I would say he's a little too skeptical on the vaccines, but I don't even know if he is because he's got his own, you know, he's talked about how he has friends that have had strokes and uh, I don't know. It's tough, but he's got a point when he says, you know, if you suggested even 6 months ago that cloth cloth face masks were not effective you would be socially castrated <laughs> okay you you could be kicked off platforms you could have your posts deleted if you even claimed that now CNN reports that right I've seen them report that cloth face masks are not effective. I've seen, and he's got, he's got, uh, I don't know. The whole thing is weird. Um, You know, he did, he did the video for 10 minutes it was 10 minutes long. Um, he just, I don't understand the misinformation argument. I don't understand how you can have people like, I think his name's Michael Osterholm. I don't understand how you can have people like Dr. Sanjay Gupta on. You can have those two on. And you have conversations with them. And Gupta had every opportunity to get the information out that he wanted to convey. Meanwhile, we have Dr. Robert Malone on, who people call crazy, and he gets his information out. So, I mean, the idea here is it's... Why can't we give both sides and let people come up with their own conclusions? When did that become a crime? Rogan's not pushing one way or the other. The guy said he would have voted for Bernie Sanders, for God's sakes. So you can't tell me he's a right wing nut. You know? But I listened to all those conversations. I listened to the whole Gupta episode. I listened to the whole Dr. Malone episode. So, anyway, Rogan says, I'm going to do my best in the future to balance things out. But my point of doing this always is to create interesting conversations and ones that I hope people enjoy. Okay? I mean, he gets an average of 11 million listeners per episode. So a lot of us are enjoying, you know? So Joni Mitchell, again, uh, fuck, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with me. I just haven't the slightest clue of who Joni Mitchell is. I don't, but anyway... She said she is going to remove all of her music from Spotify as well in solidarity with Neil Young. So it says uh, Mitchell is a California-based Canadian-born singer-songwriter who had much of her success in the 1970s. So, uh, you know, Rogan goes on to say that he's sorry that people feel Uh, upset by the conversations that he's having and he doesn't want people to feel upset Uh, I don't think he's trying to stir the shit but listen it's and then he goes on to give a a nice uh, Neil Young story I don't know but a lot of people like listening to Joe Rogan I, I don't I don't know any other way to say it, man, you know and uh, hell even Dwayne the Rock Johnson Here's a uh, Yahoo news article right here. This is from it's from BuzzFeed. Dwayne the Rock Johnson says Joe Rogan's statement on Neil Young and Joni Mitchell leaving Spotify was great stuff <clears throat> He says, great stuff here, brother. This is The Rock. Perfectly articulated. Looking forward to coming on one day and breaking out the tequila with you. Holy shit. You want to break fucking records with Spotify listens for the Joe Rogan experience? Goddamn. Have the fucking rock on. He can talk about all 24 movies he's making simultaneously as well as his tequila business, his energy drink business, his clothing line. What the fuck else does he have? I'm sure there's something. And like, everybody likes The Rock. If you don't like The Rock, there's something fucking wrong with you. And The Rock likes Joe Rogan. He literally said, and we know... The Rock endorsed Joe Biden for president. So we know The Rock's not a right winger and he still wants to go on and have a conversation with Joe Rogan who I also still say is not a right winger. So, and there's nothing wrong with being right wing or left wing. Whichever way you want to go. Whatever side aligns... Most with your values. You know what I mean? But anyway. I fucking look forward to that. That was a long ass episode. Uh, very long show. Longest I've done. And I've only done three. So. But anyway. Uh, I think that's about all I got. For this week. Um, if there's. More news that comes out. I actually enjoy doing these. I really do, even if nobody listens. It's fun for me because uh I'm gonna look at the news anyway, so I might as well put a microphone in front of my face and then read the news out loud and give my genuine reactions. And uh, you know, the show's called a moron experience because I'm a fucking moron. Okay, so I, (laughs) I mean, sometimes I make intelligent statements and sometimes I make very moronic statements. So I don't know. These are just my, my fucking views on the shit, my opinions. Anyway, I'm going to wrap it up there. I'm out. See ya.